Each year, more than 12 million people will hear the same three devastating words. You have cancer. I know what it's like to hear those three words. I'm Lee Silverstein, a survivor of pediatric kidney cancer and stage four colon cancer. One day I said to my wife, Linda, that I hated the fact that I had cancer. And she looked at me and said, no, sweetheart, we have cancer. This transformed the way I looked at cancer because every one of us is touched by it in some way. Patients and survivors, caregivers and medical professionals, and we all have a story to tell. On each episode, we share those stories to inform, inspire, and provide hope to all of us who are affected by cancer to remind us that we are not alone. Welcome to We Have Cancer. Welcome to episode 165 of We Have Cancer. Thank you so much for joining me today. My guest this week is Eileen Powers. Eileen was diagnosed with an aggressive form of lymphoma back in 2018. And Eileen is an artist, and you can follow her on Instagram at Can You Make Hair and learn more about Eileen through her website at canyoumakehairforme.com. And she talks about you know, cancer patients' connection to hair and how many cancer patients, as a result of their treatments, lose their hair. And she's decided to take that uh, connection to hair and make an artistic statement about it and has invited people from the cancer community and outside the cancer community to make, and I put it in air quotes, hair for her. Now, it's not hair if you're thinking, oh, people just uh, sent their wigs in. Nope, not exactly. And if you check out her Instagram site, like I mentioned earlier, at Can You Make Hair, you'll see what I mean when I say it's not exactly hair, but it's an artistic expression, if you will, of hair. Really interesting conversation. I know that you're going to enjoy it. Join me now for my conversation with Eileen Powers. Eileen, welcome to We Have Cancer. Thank you so much for offering to come on the show, share your story. And as we were talking before I hit record, I was thinking back and over the five years, five and a half years we've done this show, you're only the second artist <laughs> that I've had on the show, but yours, yours is totally different. And kind of where I wanted to start, you know, you hear artists and sometimes it's an expression of painters, you know, saying... You know, I started with a blank canvas, and you used the word blank a little bit differently as I was looking through your site, and your quote was, though the disease I had, through the disease I had, I became someone else. I was blank, and I was lucky to be blank, and I went, hmm, I wonder what she meant by that. So tell us, <laughs> what did you mean by that? Sure. I, I think I wrote that also mm -hmm. sort of looking back. So at the time, I might not have thought that I was lucky to be blank, not have hair, not have eyebrows, that sort of thing. But 
in the end, it ended up being a positive thing for me because it made me look at myself in a different way. And it sort of forces you to accept yourself as you are. And cancer, if nothing else, oh, yeah. will do that for you. And yeah, it's all about self-acceptance and accepting where you are in the moment. And I think that's what I meant by that. And I was able to take something that essentially to me was blank and and fill it with something else. And and that's the what whole point I loved of the was and oh my god, did you hit on you know the whole thing about words and how we describe cancer and it's it so resonates with me. But I find myself in the same place sometimes the words I don't like come out of my mouth anyway because I can't think of another one. And you talked about colloquialisms, militaristic meetings, and this whole warrior language. You know, battle, fight, you're a warrior. And, and I've actually interviewed people on this show who are patients themselves that embrace that. And, and to me, if that works for you, that's your choice, but I'm not comfortable using those words, and I'm not comfortable, you know, God bless my father, he turned 86 years old yesterday, and he always says to me, you're my hero, and I know it comes from a good place, but you know what? I don't want to be anybody's hero. People say that to me as well, and I try to accept that that's the way they think about it, but I think as someone who is now cancer-free and went through a lot of treatment. I didn't look at it as a competition. I didn't look at it as a war. I didn't want... It, a war implies that someone loses. And I don't want anyone to think that they're a loser because they have cancer. And it's not your fault that you have cancer. And I think that's also falls into some of the militaristic metaphors that we hear. And, and I think that we've we've sort of learned to use those because they were, they were easy. They're in the media. We hear them over and over again. And our language really doesn't have words to describe what we go through as cancer patients. I think there's a limitation there. And, and part of my project is to sort of pick up where the words leave off maybe and try to do something visually that maybe we can't do verbally. Yeah. I mean, the one that, always gets the hair on my neck to stand up is when sadly someone dies from cancer and we say they lost their battle. Ugh. I'm like, yes. no, no. Ugh. no. They didn't lose. No, it's <laughs> not a battle. It's, it's not a competition. It's not a sport. I mean, we don't, I think we just are accustomed to hearing that. And, and I, I can tell you that on the news, when, whenever someone dies of cancer, we certainly hear that over and over again. And it's really ingrained in our culture to accept that as, you know, the metaphor for cancer. And I think it's up to us to try to change that. And I do try to change that when I speak to people. And I, I try to address that if, if, if people say that to me as well, like, like what happens to you, you know, somebody will say to me, you know, you're my hero. And I'm like, well, I'm not anybody's hero. I'm just an artist. And I'm just trying to be positive. And I'm like you just trying to get yeah, through every and, day. You know, I think, do you, do you think that we use those words because we're afraid to say what really happened that someone just died yes we don't want to say I, someone I, died of cancer I, they passed they succumbed 
Well, that's right? the second part of the conversation, right? That's the second part is that we don't want to talk about death. We don't want to talk about the possibility of death because it reminds us of our own mortality. And I, I was talking to a friend of mine who has multiple myeloma. And one of the things that we both sort of discussed and agreed upon is that one of the reasons why people, we feel that people use those metaphors is that it sort of makes them feel better about themselves because, you know, they, they feel bad for you because you have cancer, but they feel relief in some way because they don't. And I think that's why they sort of build us up when, when we're cancer patients or when we have the disease or any disease, really. I think it, it, it doesn't, it's not limited to cancer, but yeah. it's mostly found in cancer. But I do think that there's a certain amount of relief when, you know, when someone can talk to someone who has cancer, try to use specific language that they feel is appropriate and then be, you know, feel better about themselves that they don't have it. And and I'm being perfectly honest. I think that's part of the psychology behind it. And I don't blame them for that at all. You talked about extensive treatment. Kind of take us through how you came to be diagnosed and what the treatment protocol was. Well, Lee, like you, I had a routine colonoscopy. That's what <laughs> <laughs> You did your homework. <laughs> yes. So that's what happened with me. I had a routine colonoscopy and they, um, I got a call just before Labor Day in 2018 and it was my doctor and he, he said that they had found some follicular lymphoma. So follicular lymphoma is a slow growing cancer. So, you know, I wasn't happy about that. Obviously, he told me that I was probably going to need chemotherapy. It was a very emotional time. Like anyone who finds out when they get cancer, I feel like it's it's your Kennedy assassination, your 9-11 moment, right? You, you'll never forget where you were. You'll never forget how it was delivered to you. And it's something that just stays with you because your life just completely changes from that moment on. You you really you really aren't the same person after that point. So so I went to my local oncologist and like I said this was September so here where I live on the Cape this is a resort area so people take vacation in September. So I wasn't able to see an oncologist until October. So I had all of those weeks waiting to find out what was happening and in the meantime I started to get really sick. And I started to have a lot of pain. I started to have a lot of issues where I couldn't eat. And when I finally got to see the oncologist, she assured me that there was nothing seriously wrong and that I didn't have to have treatment right away. We could, we could wait and I could get scanned again in January. Well, I continued to get sick. And I ended up in the emergency room because I was in so much pain. And I... Finally, in, in the state of Massachusetts, we have state health care, but I wanted to, and, and I was part of that, but what I wanted to do was go to a specific hospital and get a second opinion. So this, one of the things that you learn as a cancer patient is you learn a lot about insurance. So it took me a long time to figure out exactly what I needed in terms of insurance. And I didn't get to make an appointment at Mass General in Boston until November till after after thanks thanksgiving and that appointment wasn't until the 17th of december so through this whole fall i was extremely ill i was in and out of the the hospital and no one was listening to me i was in excruciating pain so and i do want to say to people you know 
Lymphoma in, in particular is, is a very complicated, multifaceted cancer. And do your homework, and it's worthwhile to have a second opinion. It's a, it's a complicated cancer. There are many kinds. And when I, when I finally got to Mass General, my oncologist, Dr. Barnes, actually didn't agree with the pathology report that I had. And he's, he didn't think I had follicular lymphoma at all. He thought I had diffuse large B-cell lymphoma. And he got me right in for a scan right before Christmas. And the next thing I know, uh, January of 2019, I was in for five days of chemotherapy. And I had what was called what's called repoc chemo, and then that was part of a series of six, which ended up being our chop, and 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 then I finished <laughs> in the middle of it though. In the middle of it, the first chemo worked so well and reduced my my tumors by quite a bit that my small intestine ended up getting wrapped around the tumors and I ended up needing emergency abdominal surgery to remove about two feet of my small intestine. So, so, so that was right after the first chemo. So that was on, um, on uh, Valentine's day in 2019. <laughs> so what a surprise. <laughs> and, and that recovery was, you know, six to eight weeks at least. And I couldn't drive and I couldn't sit up. I, I couldn't walk very much, but they got me back into chemo about two weeks after that, you know, and they, they kept going. And so I had six, six rounds and the surgery all in the spring of 2019. And then I got scanned again in June of 2019 and my cancer came back. It had been reduced, but it was refractory. So at that point I became part of a research study and in some research studies, you know, you know, most of them, there are two different arms of the research study. So they flipped a coin and I could either get immunotherapy right away or I could get a stem cell transplant. And I ended up in the stem cell transplant arm. So during the summer, I had three more rounds of chemo and then then I had apheresis. So they they take your um, for the stem cells. So they they harvest your stem stem cells. So I did that as well. They also harvested my lymphocytes so that they could re-engineer them should I need those later on. So it was a it was a big year and it was a big summer in 2019. And the whole time, you know, it's exhausting having cancer. It's you know, there's a lot of fatigue. But through this time, I I actually was was doing the project, and then by September. We had a date for the stem cell transplant, and that ended up being in early October. So I was in the hospital for about wow. three weeks for that. And unfortunately, after that, I had a scan, I think, in November, and my cancer had come back again. Yeah. Or it never really left. And at that point, my doctor said, well, this is really, it's not bad news. It's actually good news. You can have immunotherapy now, and we're going to get you right in for that. And so I had more sort of conditioning chemo at that point for, for you have conditioning treatment for the stem cell transplant and for the immunotherapy because they really want to wipe out your, your immune system. And then I, so I ended up going in right after Christmas of this year of 2019 and into 2020, I was in the hospital for about 10 days for immunotherapy and so far so good. That seems Fantastic. to have done the trick. Have you found that chemotherapy has caused frequent trips to the restroom, which has left you 
either in pain or itching or irritated. I know that it's happened to me uh, through my numerous chemotherapy treatments, and I really was at my wit's end. I tried some wipes and didn't really like how that made me feel. And then I came upon Lux Bidet, and Lux is spelled L-U-X-E. And it took me all of, I don't know, about 15 minutes to attach this thing to the toilet seat. And once I did, with a turn of a knob, I was able to rinse myself off with a cool jet of water. And it felt so much more comfortable and really relieved a lot of the pain and the itching, you know, from all of the wiping. I encourage you to check out Lux Bidet by visiting wehavecancershow.com forward slash Lux. Again, that's L-U-X-E to check out their line of bidets. And I know that if you suffer from these side effects, picking up one of these will really make a drastic difference in how you feel. True transparency. Uh, first off, I would never promote a product that I myself don't use and don't enjoy. So you you know that that's the case here. And if you make a purchase, small contribution does go to the We Have Cancer Show to help offset some of our costs. However, that that incentive is not passed on to you in any way. It just helps us here at the We Have Cancer Show.com. I know you'll enjoy it. Check it out again at wehavecancershow.com forward slash L-U-X-E. Yeah, when you talk to people and you tell them you're going through chemo or you're, you know, that chemo is coming up, um, the first thing people want to ask us is, will you or did you lose your hair? Now, mine was gone before this all happened to me, so uh, the only thing when I went through uh, the the, uh, stronger chemo that I was on previously was I lost the facial hair. But talk to to me about hair and really the uh, evolution or the beginning of this whole Can You Make Hair For Me project that you've undertaken. Sure, sure. So... So I, I didn't really start losing my hair until a, a few weeks after the first treatment. So, or it was, might have been the second treatment. I, I, I get confused now. My memory, so one of the things that happens with chemo is your memory, short-term memory is not as good as it was. Hopefully that will come back for me. But right now I do have trouble sort of remembering exact dates and times and things like that. But what I decided to do, I had very long hair. I decided to to cut it very short. And then I went in for the first chemotherapy session and I thought, well, you know, it's going to fall out right away, but it doesn't. And I think it didn't fall out till the second round of chemo. And then, and then that's when I had the, the problem where I was walking in the woods and I started to have severe abdominal pain and I ended up in the emergency room and then sent up to Boston to have emergency surgery. So... At that point, when I was in the hospital, I was in the hospital for 10 days, and I asked my partner if he would just bring a clipper, because I was lying in the hospital bed, and clumps of my hair were just coming out, and it was it was all over the pillow, and, and it was just something I didn't want to see, and it frightened me, and I think it, it probably frightens a lot of people, but but he shaved my head, and as you, you know, I'm somebody who wears glasses, like you, so what I did was every time I needed to be near a mirror, I would just take my glasses off, because I was, 
I was so frightened by what I was going to see. And I was so disturbed that I was not recognizable as myself anymore. I sort of lost my sense of identity. I lost, you know, when you lose your, 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 the hair on your head, that's one thing. When you also lose your eyebrows, it's very disconcerting. You really don't recognize who you are. And it took me six weeks to finally look in the mirror and take a good look and see who, who I was. So what you decided to do, which I just found so fascinating, was to you open the door you made it easy easier for others to help you in a way you wanted to be helped yes and i'll and i'll tell you like and you probably experienced this as well right you know when you have cancer that you know two things happen People don't know how to speak to you, like like we talked about earlier. They have a lot of t- trouble knowing what's appropriate and what makes them comfortable. And you know, so what I wanted to do, and the second thing they do is is they they try to feed you. <laughs> and, and I had a lot of people drop food off at my house. Sometimes they wouldn't want to see me, but they'd leave food on the porch, or we, you know, or they'd call and say they were, or text and say that, that they were going to drop something by and no need to come outside, you know? So, so I always felt like I probably was making them uncomfortable too. My presence was making them uncomfortable. So, you know, I'd go outside and I'd grab the stuff and I'd put it in the freezer. And when you have chemo, you can't really eat anything. You, I had three different drugs for nausea. It, it makes, makes you so sick. I lost 30 pounds. So, so during that time, I, you know, I open the freezer and I see all this food and I think to myself, my gosh, I've got a lot of friends who have a lot of energy and I need to redirect that into something that is helpful to me because the food isn't helping me to help my partner, Tom. He he got a lot of food to eat, but, but it wasn't helping me and it wasn't really helping with the conversation. And, and I, I kept thinking like, what can I do? What can I do to make this negative a positive? And, it's sort of, I sort of started playing with my bald head. Like I started to put words on it. I put blonde on one side, brunette on the other, you know, and I was kind of starting to look at it as a possibility for some sort of artistic kind of endeavor, some sort of project. And then one day it just came to me. I'm like, I'm just going to ask people if they want to make hair for me and we'll see what I get. So I started, you know, I started, the first one was my friend John made me a pottery hair. We didn't even have the camera set up properly. It was just, we, I just figured it was like a snapshot and he made me curlers out of pottery and it, and it was this amazing piece of art and, and it was really (laughs) heavy. It was, it's probably about 10 pounds and it left dents in my head. And so we started with that. And then, you know, I've, I make hair too. So, so some of them are made by me. Some of them are made by other people. Sometimes people give me materials, but what I wanted to to do was try to bridge that distance between me and everyone else because it was obvious to me that it was uncomfortable for, for people to talk to me. So I wanted to give them an activity. I really strongly believe in activity and action. And if we can sort of occupy our brains with an activity, it frees us up and it helps us to communicate and it helps us to come to terms with the feelings that we have or the feelings maybe that we have that are uncomfortable to us. So I wanted to, to create a project where I could talk to people indirectly about cancer. And I, and I really feel that that's the strongest 
one of the strongest elements of the project is, is just being able to do something, make something. And we're not skirting the problem, but we're sort of kind of dancing around it. And then we sort of get to the meat of the matter is, you know what? I don't have hair. And as I mentioned in the intro, if people want to check out some of these just whimsical, fun uh, pictures, just follow Eileen on Instagram at, at can you make hair? But what's interesting is there's one requirement for the people who make hair for you, and that is it can't have hair, <laughs> right? Right. It can't have hair, right. but it sort of has to behave like hair. So it, I, right. it can't be a hat. <laughs> I draw the line. Like sometimes I get things that are really hats, but I'll wear them, but it really shouldn't be a hat. Did I see one that looked like it was made of yellow Playtex rubber gloves? <laughs> Yes, you did. And that's, that was a very interesting project. I was asked to speak at Leslie University about the project to a, uh, a class of expressive mm. therapy grad students. And what I do with the, the project with Can You Make Care For Me really falls into an expressive therapy modality where you're using different forms of art to work through a situation or a problem and to really sort of use your hands and making an act and using activity to, you know, bring you to yourself to wellness. And so it was very, you know, relevant. It was relevant to the class. So I went and I spoke to them about them. I did a, I did a uh, presentation and I spoke about the project and then a number of the students participated and that came from one of the students. And I got, I got like 10. They were, they were amazing. And we're having an exhibition, virtual exhibition next month at leslieuniversity.com, leslie.com, I think, edu. And you can, I think okay. it starts on so the So at the time we're recording this, we're in mid-September. This is going to, this is. Yeah. So it'll be up for about six months, seven months. Great. Yeah. So I'll have mm-hmm. the link posted in the We Have Cancer show notes so people go take a look at it. What was the most unusual thing that somebody made hair of for you? Oh my gosh. You know, I think when I got one made out of pipe insulation, that was the most surprising to me. And it was one of the earlier pieces that I received. And the pipe insulation looks like swimming noodles. And it just sort of sticks straight up. And it was very space age looking. And I got the box and the box was enormous. But it was very light. And it was made by a friend of mine who lives in Savannah. And you know, I opened it up and I couldn't quite figure out what it was. And then I, then I, then I saw it and, and it was so funny and it was so positive and it makes everybody laugh. And so I, I really just, it was one of my favorites, I think, you know, because it was a low time for me and to receive something like that from someone really can really pick you up and it, and it really helps. It really helps to have like a, you know, a project or, or a goal, you know, when you're during this, this time, when, when you have so much uncertainty, we really need to be using our creativity to help us get through it. And I was so grateful of my friend Steve for making Do you that find point. that people, how do I say this, feel more connected to you doing this than, you know, leaving a casserole at your doorstep? Absolutely. There's no doubt in my mind. And I think that other people... Who, who are going through chemotherapy should ask their friends to make care for them because it really has, it's created a community for me. And it's created something where people that I, I might not have known that well, or I may have not had, or, or strangers 
people that I, I've I've only met through Instagram have made things for me, and, and we can have conversations about them. We can talk about the materials and talk about something else other than cancer, because as you know, what what happens when you have cancer? When you see someone, the first thing they say is like, "How are you doing?" Well, you know, yeah. you get to a point where you're like, "How do you think I'm doing?" You've got cancer, you look, but right? you look good. And, and instead, <laughs> right? Yeah, but it looked fantastic in what you made for me. So you know, yeah. so that helps, right? And and it really sends a positive message to people, and it makes them. I think it it's it's like it sort of makes them feel like they're part of your treatment and they're helping. It is, and I think that's so important. Now you you're not just just taking pictures of you wearing these whimsical hair pieces for lack of a better word but you've put some thought into the style styling of the photos talk about that sure so the only other there like i said there's there's no rules really except that it that it be like hair and that i can put it on my head and it not be a hat but the other part of the project is if you make hair for me then i sort of can take it and interpret it and sometimes I change them and sometimes I make them into something else. So I might have a hair, I call them heads actually. I might have a head for like, you know, a month or three months before I can figure out what to do with it. So, you know, I kind of take what people make and I interpret it into what is relevant to me at that time. And it also, and on a you know, sort of different level, is it sort of mimics the cancer treatment process in which... You know, as a as a patient, you have to give yourself over to some to a team of other people who know more than you. So you lose a lot of control in your life when you have cancer. And what I wanted to do with the project is I sort of give control to other people to make hair for me. But then I kind of regain that control and how I interpret it and what I wear and how I style it. And so it's kind of this sort of circular project in that, you know, we we each get to be creative and we each get to do something that's different. Talk about too, how you often, maybe style is not the right word. It's the best one I can come up with your photos to mimic, uh, um, old, old ads, right. And and that whole piece um, of it, I think back, you know, I'm thinking of uh, mad men, the, uh, you know, the advertising days of the 60s, you know, with the woman in the kitchen and the, well, that whole thing. Uh, talk, talk about that, too. Yeah. So I, I studied advertising in school and I'm, I'm influenced by advertising. And I really love old ads from the 60s, uh, from the actually from the 50s, a man in the Hathaway shirt, you know, those sorts of things. And I think that the the copy was very cheeky and I really liked the way they were written. And. I like the styling. So I kind of look at the project almost as a, almost as an ad campaign without a headline. So I'm really influenced by the style and by the formality of some of the art direction and the composition of the images of those uh, of that time. And I really wanted to borrow from that because I like bright colors and I like the shapes and I sort of wanted it to feel retro but current at the same time. And I think that we're all we're all bombarded with advertising. So I think we all can kind of like in some way connect with the project on that level, you know, because it looks a little bit, you know, it looks kind of like advertising, but I'm not selling anything. But it's kind of, you know, reminiscent of a time that's come and gone, yet it's updated 
by current materials and using current technology. So we're using, you know, Instagram. So it's current technology. So it sort of marries both worlds. I yeah, think. and it's definitely not advertising because there's no headline, there's no copy. It's just a picture, right? But you could put you right. you could put one if you want. I would I'd be open to that. So if people want to write headlines for the for the the pictures, the portraits that I have, go right ahead. That would be really interesting to me. Great. So if listeners to the show are interested in participating in the project and making hair for you, what's their next step? Well, they should message me on Instagram and they can get in touch with me that way or through the website. And I'm happy to talk to them about any ideas that they have. If I can help, I'll help. As you can see, I don't know if if people are going to see me, but I do have hair and I have a little bit of hair. It's, It's growing back. I keep it very short, but I keep it short so I can continue with the project. So I will continue to do it as long as people want to make hair and I'll keep my hair short for it. And I, I'll even shave my head. If, you, if you've if you got a good enough idea, I'll shave oh my, my head Oh, my goodness. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, Eileen, this has been a, an absolute pleasure. Uh, first and foremost, I want to wish you uh, good luck on the upcoming scan and continued, continued positive results. That's our main focus. But truly an interesting story, and I really appreciate and I know our listeners are going to appreciate your perspective. I think you've highlighted some things, and, and I can already picture people listening, nodding their head up and down, going, yes, you're right, right? All these things that we've talked about. So thank you for coming on and sharing your story. Oh, thank you, Lee. And I'm so glad that you're doing so well. So, you know, I'm thinking about you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Be well, my friend. You too. Thank you for listening to We Have Cancer. And thank you to the Colon Cancer Coalition for your ongoing support. You can learn more about the Colon Cancer Coalition by visiting their website at coloncancercoalition.org. You can subscribe to the We Have Cancer podcast, stay up to date on our latest blog posts, listen to the latest episodes, and much more by visiting our website at wehavecancershow.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at wehavecancerpod. And on Facebook, you can join our private Facebook group by visiting We Have Cancer. Thank you again for listening. Be well, everyone.